And now on Tucson Business Radio, let's find out how to be healthy, wealthy, and wise with your host, Karen Fisher. Good afternoon and welcome to today's edition of Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. We are broadcasting live from the Tucson Business Radio X, which is located right in the Tucson Business X studio, but it is within Stuart Title's offices, the main corporate offices. It's a fabulous studio. I have a very, very amazing and special guest who has become a friend over the past year that you are going to just love. And I want to introduce Dr. Carol Soloway. Welcome. How do you do? Hello. I'm so happy that you're here. So we've got quite a bit of information and you are a multifaceted person. You have done so many things, but I'll give you just a couple of the tips as far as with my readers. She's a best-selling author. She has two books right now that are out, and um, she's got a children's book coming out. She's also a uh, doctor of chiropractic medicine, as well as a certified medical examiner. So lots of stories. So let's just get right into some of the things that I So your story, everybody has a story, but your journey is one of the most incredible, um, and yet at the beginning, some of it rather heartbreaking of, of what's happened that led you to this career path, and then as far as being an author and some of the other information. So tell us a little bit, because I know for a fact that you um, you just had just, it was the easiest time for you, everything was perfect, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have it, and here you are, doctor, chiropractic medicine, and it was just all handed to you overnight. Oh, where is yeah. that plate? I'm looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always say this marriage is really easy. All you have to do is cook like Julia Childs, have the patience of Mother Teresa with your children, and be a sex goddess at night. <laughs> it is easy. Oh, my. <laughs> but then it didn't work. Um. So... Uh, we got a divorce. You were married for how long? I was married for 15 years. I had to think about that because it's like it's another life ago. Another, yeah. Somebody else. <laughs> and we were married for 15 years. We just moved to California. I knew no one. Where did you move from? New York. Oh, okay. All right. East Coast, West Coast. East yeah. Coast, West Coast. And didn't know anyone. And I was finishing chiropractic school. It was like a, I don't know, a dagger, or whatever, not to be overdramatic. Outside of the road, they're calling us. So they're calling go. us. <laughs> so. I, but I didn't do it, honestly. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought about it, but I didn't. <laughs> but uh, so we had gotten a divorce, and then, but it was going to be okay because the children were going to be taken care of. In other words, he said, we'll put everything into child custody. So that was going to be all right, even though I was in shock. I did consult an attorney, but the attorney wanted $2,000, and there was nothing. I didn't even have anything in my name. Um, no, that's not true. I had a $10,000 student loan. That was all mine. Oh, great. Yeah, okay, that was, so you had debt. I, I yeah. had that. And so I, I just, I was devastated. But okay, I put, as long as the children were taken care of. And then the children came home and told me they were going to live with their father. Oh. Yeah. So they left. And how many children? And Three. how old were they at the Three, time? and they all went. And 13, 11, and 5. Oh, wow. So... 
they left and I had this chiropractic degree almost. So I decided I'd open a practice. And you know about, we've talked about women in business, right? And I tried to get a student loan. Uh, Not a student loan. loan. No, I had the student loan. Yeah, you had the debt. I tried to get a loan for my business. 1983. Mm -hmm. I went into the bank where I was, you know, Mrs. Doctor and thought they'd give me a loan. They laughed. So, and you would be the, I mean, mm-hmm. you know about women getting loans even even today, I yeah. would assume. Well, and for our listeners, one of the things that people may not realize because it just seems so foreign right now, but it really wasn't all that long ago. Um, it was as recent as just the 1970s where a woman could not get a home loan or you could not use her income for qualifying for a home loan unless she had a certificate of sterilization or a doctor's note, literally wow. a doctor's note. Wow. And, I mean, you think about that, it, it, it today, you know, people can't even comprehend that. Um, well, I'll tell you, know. you something about the, seven, the late 70s. I decided I was going to go to chiropractic, I was going to go to physical therapy school. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. I got accepted at Columbia University, which is very prestigious. Prestigious, yes. yes. And I decided, you know what, that was too far because we were living on the island. So I decided I'd apply to NYU, which was my alma mater. The woman at the interview, this was in the late 70s, told me, I, wouldn't, I will not accept you because you have three children and you can't be serious. Oh, and yeah. this is a woman herself saying it. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it's interesting in our early careers, because I've been in business. Um, I started in 1983 after going to school, uh, kind of a random path. But my field of study was in biomedical engineering. I'm a numbers geek through and through. Um, however, instead of going into that field, I actually um, ended up in the real estate industry um, because at that time I was just shy of finishing my degree. And there's this there's a story, there's a wrong turn, right turn, mm. where what I thought was going to be the most absolute devastating news ever turned out to be something that actually probably saved my life. And this is what happened. Um, so we, my husband and I put ourselves through school. We were doing the student loan, starving grant, all of that stuff at that time. And so um, this is in 1982. We got, you would get your like your student loan award and everything like that. Like in May, that would be like, so you would know what you would have. And then, um, and then, but your semester would start in August. Well, we got married in June. And so come August, I went to tell at the time it was ASU. Um, I did go to the U of A and then ASU as well, but um, was at ASU at the time. And I went and told them that we had got married and I was like, oh, two can live as cheaply as one. And they cut our student loan no. in half. And then we didn't even get that half until December. And so literally my husband and I looked at each other and it's like, we can't pay our bills. And so we made a deal. Whoever got a full-time job first, you know, uh, they'd quit school. And so I ended up actually accepting a job offer. I didn't even know what this meant, but it was $600 a month draw against commission. I didn't even know what draw against commission <laughs> meant, but I knew that $600 would pay. It would pay for my schooling, right? I mean, for our bills. Well, um, so, but then 
I, I was no longer working in the, uh, my part-time job, which was drawing blood for the lab. Well, the reason it ended up, in hindsight, literally saving my life. I mean, I was devastated. This was my career. I was going to be a research scientist. I was working with this. The reason it saved my life is because I was a phlebotomist drawing mm -hmm. blood for the lab. But we, back in the 80s, the early 80s, we didn't use gloves no. unless unless you used HypoCleanse. You washed your hands all the time, oh. but you only used gloves if somebody had hepatitis. Well, the AIDS virus was out, right. but for whatever reason, they did not let the medical community know about this. Wow. And so there were people that were phlebotomists that did what I did, and they um, contracted AIDS and passed away. It was years, literally years, before I was allowed to donate blood. Isn't that amazing how the wrong turn yeah, turns and you, out? Yeah, and it's like, oh, my God, this, this what, in, in hindsight, but the skills that I learned as far as with school and things like that, and I want to talk about, you know, what the chiropractic has done as far as how that laid some of the foundation for the other things for you. But when you think about that, what was the worst? Now, the good news is, is like I said, I'm still a numbers geek, still love it, still helping people, right? right. Uh, but it's just in a, it's in a different uh, uh, venue, if you will. So as a mortgage banker, I mean, I see everything, so... But anyhow, back to as far as you were going to be, uh, so the, your alma mater said, no, they're not going to take you because of two, uh, three small children, and you couldn't be serious. I and was then, and, serious. Yes, but, you know, ironically, your husband had three small children, too, and other men had three small children, too, maybe, or more, and yet that was okay because... Oh yeah, yeah, he went to uh, he went to medical school in Guadalajara, Mexico, and we had two little ones. We moved all the way down there, and you know, set up house, and I was doing some tutoring because I was an English teacher before all. all oh, okay, <laughs> of that, okay, yeah. And I was an English teacher, so I did a lot of tutoring, and we made it work. And they didn't ever ask. How he was going to take care of the children. No. Not even an issue. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So, anyhow, segue. You did go to chiropractic school. In, it, which, where did you end up going to chiropractic school? There was a chiropractic college maybe 10 minutes from our house. Okay. And that looked a lot better than going to Columbia on subways and leaving oh, the yeah. children. So the children did factor into my decision. And I went to the chiropractic school with three kids and at home and made it through chiropractic school. Fantastic. So now fast forward, you're in California and you're going to open up your practice because now you're Divorcee at this time. Oh, that sounds so it's official. So, yeah, official, <laughs> yes. It didn't seem very yeah. impressive, but at yes. The, so um, so then what happened when you when you they There was give no you way I could loan. get a loan. No way. So what I did was I had gotten the house in the divorce. It was a mortgaged house, but I that was the, the thing I signed. In other words, he had his practice and all of our funds. And I agreed to take the house as well as that alum, uh, oh, child, child custody, support. Mm -hmm. child yeah. support, child support. Thank you very much. Not custody because I didn't have that. 
so that was what I agreed on. I sold the house and moved into an apartment, and I had enough for four months, period. Wow. Period. That was it. Four months, I had to make it. And you know how many businesses, 40% fail in the first year? Yeah. I had four months. You had four months. Okay. But you also had grit and determination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that was, that trumped. <laughs> that trumped everything. everything. <laughs> okay. And I decided I was going to make it because there was no, there was no plan B. No plan B. You can, I couldn't. When this even... comes up with businesses a lot, this plan B, yes. and the the it's it's interesting to me to watch where some when somebody has made a decision that they are going to do something and they don't have a plan B, it seems to me that they succeed more often than not because they'll just figure out a way. Whereas, and I'm not saying don't do your research and don't you know I mean you've got to be wise and a good steward with your money and your time. But when I hear somebody, and I can just hear it echoing, when I hear them say, well, if I'm not a success in business or if my business doesn't make it, then I always have this to fall back on, whatever this is. And it's usually a job, which jokingly, our, one of our mutual mentors, which is Sandra Yancey for eWomen Network, she says a job is a nickname for just over broke. <laughs> so there you go. Well, I mm -hmm. knew I could always become a teacher or work for somebody mm -hmm. else. So to to that, you know, to that. But I had the student loans that were yes. coming due. So to that end, yes, I knew that I could work for somebody else. But that wasn't. That was not at the forefront of your mind no. at all. No. That would have been failure. Uh, I would have done it. You know, I would have done anything I had to do. But no, there was no way. So I made it happen by networking my way, I, as, which is yeah. where we met. Yeah. So let's talk about as far as the practice and networking, because this is a good for our listeners, which are primarily business owners and entrepreneurs um, and, and other business people, but they're usually responsible for their results. They're not just being told what to do. That's who our, our listener is. Tell me about the networking and how that showed up for you. I couldn't, I couldn't advertise. There was no budget for advertising. I mean, I, I planned out the next four months to the penny almost, but I could go to networking meetings. So there were uh, there were even evenings where I slept in the office because I came back from wow. a late networking meeting and had another one at six thirty in the morning. And at networking meetings, there was no way I could buy people's services or goods because that just wasn't. So what I did was I started connecting people, like a realtor with a mortgage broker uh, or or and and that's what your listeners should really be. oh I'm looking at the sign it says ready to connect oh, be my guest perfect. to um oh yeah great connecting is really oh, Keith Ferrazzi says the most important business commodity is are are your are your connections absolutely and i mean that was something that you know if you can if i can connect somebody to their power partner can you imagine how much better that is than buying their lipstick or or their or 
or anything know, anything yeah. that they're yeah. selling and i'm not saying that they're selling lipstick because there were you know higher yeah ticket yeah. items and i could have afforded the lipstick but you know that is a skill that i really found uh, much more valuable than than money and you know as you're saying that you think about that I think that's true in all areas of life because you'll hear it. You'll hear it say sometimes said a little bit condescendingly, "Oh, it's not what it's not what you know; it's who you know." Well, that should not be a negative in anything that we're doing. It should be a positive. It's like who you know, and then who, I, the connector. When you say you need to meet so and so and so and so and so and so, you know, people. It, it's interesting because I, uh, my daughter says. Mom, you collect people. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, you will remember the story about every, just every, every bit about them. And then I'm always thinking about who I'm going to connect with. And interestingly, I think that that's just great business and personal karma. It's, well, let me let me interrupt it, you and talk about your personal karma. You, after maybe, what was it, six months when I ran into you, you remembered everything. Oh. And that makes, that's, that's an important thing for your listeners to take away. If you can be an attentive listener, that is so important. And people, people value that. You know, I, you know, when I feel listened to, mm -hmm. when somebody remembers me, um, you know, just maybe something about me, whatever that conversation is, you're 100% correct because you do feel, uh, people do have that desire. It's, it's like an innate human desire to be connected. Um, and that can be positive or it can be negative. Um, some of our police officers will tell us that's the attraction of gangs. Right. Yeah, they want to be connected. They want to be a part of something. Recognize. And how do you matter? And when we have this whole generation, you know, um, it's not just generational. This whole trend in society where technology has taken over some of our interpersonal connections. You, you are you just responding to somebody on Facebook? or LinkedIn or Instagram and give them a heart. You know, one of the, we were at, uh, again, an eWomen Network, it was the Platinum Summit, and Brianna Day was speaking um, specifically about the appropriateness of social media. And she says, if you could just remember one thing, treat your social media as if you met that person on the street. This is brilliant advice. Mm. Um, so if you saw somebody on the street and right. they told you, I just had a baby, would you just sit there and give them a thumbs up on the street? Think about this. Thumbs up or I heart you. Like, no, she says that's ridiculous. So if you're limited for time, maybe you do a thumbs up and a heart, but make sure you go back and you post something or you say something. And she says, just be conversational as, as if you just saw them on the street. When somebody says, I just had a baby or I'm expecting a baby, you know, what would you naturally say? You'd naturally say, congratulations. I am so excited for you. You're going to make awesome parents 
call me if you need a babysitter. That's what I would say because I love kids, but <laughs> don't have grandkids yet. But that's in the works. I, so I have it, twelve. <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll borrow some. How's that? Yeah, no, with our daughter. As a matter of fact, one's staying in our house right now, but he's twenty-three. Oh so. my gosh, fantastic! So, so then fast forward, um, your chiropractic business actually thrived. Yes, I, you know uh, this is this is going in my head. You, you keep you said jobs just over broke. I, I have to go back to that. You know, even when you have a fabulous job, because I did have a fabulous job at at State Comp Insurance Fund. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were making so much an hour; it was great. And they came in one day and decided our policy has changed. We're firing all of you. Fifty fifty chiropractors and medical doctors across the state. You know, so even when you have a job that is lucrative, you're still not always in control. Oh, you're definitely so I not just, in control. So I just yeah. had to go back to that. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to. So that was one of your large clients that you had? Or no, you were, I was in-house. You were, you were in-house. Was, okay, so that, that was, was after you to open private practice? Oh, okay. Yeah, I jumped ahead, but okay. that was my forever job. Okay. No, I was going to work there until they until carted retirement. me out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but so so you know, you don't have the security when it's not yours really. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But to go back, I'm sorry. I no, 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 no. You know, we're we're fine. So just in terms of as far as with your practice and a little bit more of what's happened. And then so then how did you um so so fast forward, you had your private practice and then you accepted a job? Is that what No, happened? no, no. What I'm saying is, no, I had, this was years and years later. Okay. I just wanted to get back to oh, the got jobs yeah, before so I forgot. To make sure that they're, yeah. To make sure that, that the listeners were aware of that it's not only just over broke, there's also a security factor. Yes, yeah. And not, not saying that even if you have your own business, there's 100% security, but, but still, you Before can make you decide to decisions. close, you're yeah. going to talk to yourself. Yes, at least, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, I started my practice, and it it was growing almost. I'm not going to say organically because that makes it sound too easy, but it it started growing really by I have to say over delivering. You know, I was there for the patients almost. I, I even remember Christmas Eve where I was there with the police officer. Oh. And he was on duty, and I was on duty because I didn't have the children. So this was my my home almost. Yes. Mm-hmm. It became my home, really. And it, it, built, it built up to a wonderful level, and... Then I I started doing these qualified medical examinations examinations, and became certified and appointed as a state qualified medical examiner. So explain to our listeners exactly what a qualified medical examiner does. First of all, there are no dead people. No dead people. No okay, dead that's people. good. Okay, they're all very much alive, and I examine the patients and then decide what their disability should be. In other words, what their I'm not saying I don't do the financial calculation for their settlement, but the, it is based on my report. Oh, got it. I'm sorry. So if somebody's been, let's say they um, were injured in an accident and they've lost the use of their arms, they might not be able to have done their previous job, that type of thing. Yes. And in California, I, and I only do, I 
only do musculoskeletal. You okay, know, got it. Okay, neck, back, etc., and arms, legs. I only do that part of the rating. Got it. And okay. defer the rest. But in in California, we have the AMA guides, American Medical Association guides, and that's what we use to calibrate. Got it. Okay. The, how much. Uh, how how like a disabled of, they are. A percentage of disabilities. Exactly. So, uh, one of the things that, because I do a lot of um, VA loans right. um, in with the Veterans Administration, they have their, their probably their own team that does their uh, qualified medical exams, and they'll, they'll give a disability rating is what happens. So um, somebody could look totally normal, but, you know, you don't know what's actually happened. And sometimes... There's there's sometimes uh, some things, and so if a if a veteran is rated as ten percent or greater disabled from a service connected disability, I'll be specific about that. It has to be service connected. Then they are exempt from the VA funding fee, and that actually saves a veteran thousands of dollars um, in terms of purchasing or refinancing a home. So if you're exempt, so yeah, yeah it's so and it is the same thing, and I only examine people who've been in work-related same injuries. Same type of thing. So same thing. Veteran yeah. service connected, you're doing work-related work, um, work related injuries. There's no other way of saying it. So Right. Yeah. And and it, it there was something to do with the VA that I had, had done in, in Long Beach for a very short period of time. But, yeah, they have their, their rating raters also mm-hmm. and their evaluators. Interesting. So how long, as far as the qualified medical examiner, how long have you been doing that? What was that length of time? Long time. I graduated from chiropractic school in 83, and I started that fairly soon after. after, I think you have to be in practice for five years before you can even sit for the qualified medical examiner's exam. Like a board exam that they do, yeah. Okay. Very interesting. And I started doing that. And then I was invited to go in-house at State Compensation Insurance Fund. Okay. And I was doing peer reviews, which means I would call another chiropractor and talk to him about his treatment. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. And I did that. And I I took a job with a company as a qualified medical examiner when my son wanted to go to Brandeis and my practice would not support that so I was working there one day a week and my practice the rest oh my gosh okay well okay so um, fast forward you're you're still working but you're doing a you're having a lot of fun traveling and speaking um, all over, and you are actually, um, and so this makes even more sense as far as with your English background, as far as the books that you've written. And so let's talk about the first book, which is uh, became a bestseller, which is Sex Happens. And I know people are like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. So Tell me more, right? Yes. Sex Happens. Tell me more. <laughs> That novel is about a woman who loses custody of her children, but it's not my story. The sex is great. Um, no, it's <laughs> not. No, I'm not complaining if my husband's listening. The The story is about a woman who does lose custody, but she goes through a court battle, a, a custody battle, 
and I I researched that. I I was at at the um, at the courthouse watching cases. I spoke to judges. I spoke to attorneys. Matter of fact, the other night I even played tennis with one of the attorneys I had consulted for this book. And I took courses, writing courses, even though I was an English teacher. I even got accepted to Squaw Valley where there was Amy Tan and mm-hmm. Mark Childress. And I just immersed myself in my spare time from midnight to two. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I I started So you writing. spent a lot of time watching television that's mindless. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. No, I don't even. As a matter of fact, last trip, we couldn't even figure out how to work the TV in the RV. <laughs> I love it, yeah. But I, I just decided, like, there was no plan B. I was going to write a novel, and, and it was going to be cathartic, which it was. And then after I wrote this book, excuse me, a man walked into my office. I had a chiropractic practice, of course, at the time. And his name was the same name as my first main character. Oh. No, it gets worse. He looked exactly like my main character, black hair. And he wore a watch that I thought I made up, Rolex Presidential Series. I never even heard of it. And he was married. And he proceeded to get a divorce and marry someone with the same first name as my main first oh, letter. You're yeah, kidding no, it me. gets worse. Oh. <laughs> and then he was into insurance fraud, which is in my book. He did get into cocaine, which is in my book. Oh boy! And then he tried to hire a hit person for me. For which you? Which is in my book. Yeah, against you as a doctor because he thought you were writing about him. No, because he didn't. He bought my practice and didn't want to pay me. <gasps> wow. So he wanted to have me to have a police officer for $5,000, take me out of my car, drive me to Compton, and leave me there. Good grief. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that piece I didn't know. So... Um, well, in the book, there is yeah. a sto- something does happen to the main character, sort of like that. But this was after I wrote it. Wow. So it makes you it, it almost as if you had um, manifested that person and they showed up in your life. I mean, literally almost. Right. You know, it just was that's unbelievably canny. So um, I do want to just remind our listeners that you are listening to Healthy, Wealthy and Wise on Tucson Business Radio X. I'm going to ask our wonderful producer. We have an amazing candle, but it's providing a little bit of smoke in here. If we can, yeah, because otherwise I'm going to start joking too. (laughs) So sorry about that. Excuse me. So um, I am Karen Fisher, and I am a senior loan officer with Summit Funding. The reason I started hosting this radio show, I've actually done radio on and off for about 20 years. But the reason I started hosting my own show, which is podcasted, was because the reality is, just like you within the medical, being the qualified medical exam, I see everything. Like, I literally see everything. And as a loan officer, I ask all the questions that your mother told you you weren't allowed to ask, <laughs> such as, what's in your bank account? How much do you make? What's your date of birth? And, oh, by the way, you've got to prove it to me. And, oh, by the way, you've got to prove it to me typically more than once. And so... I started noticing that there were a lot of things that were happening within 
the the world that being that connector I was forever connecting people to like I remember one client I met her and I'm like looking at her situation I'm like you don't need a loan you need a job and ended up getting her a job that's the connector piece so back to um, and I'm just gonna get a little I got a little wow lots of chairs so anyhow so back to what we do I'm just I'm available for people who want to find out as far as some information as far as for uh, finding out about home loans or anything that they might want to do that is super fantastic so and then uh, Carol let's talk about as far as your next thing because you're on a book tour right now so you've written your second book that's gotten published called Gracie's Gone. Tell us about, well, first finish up a little bit more about Sex Happens. Finish up yeah, a little a more little about bit, Sex Happens. A little bit more, yes. Uh, sex Happens be, did become a bestseller, and I went across the country speaking about a little bit about my story, and there were so many women, and also after the book was published, people were, were calling me and that was when people called and didn't text and only <laughs> yeah. and telling me how it was even a woman from London called me and that it was she was going through something similar and they felt um, even even if it wasn't a loss of a custody, still a divorce or and they felt inspired. And that was really so wonderful to hear these women telling me that they, that, well, actually a man did tell me that was the only book he read since high school. Mm. I think it was the, the title. But uh, but it, it, to hear these women tell me that this book inspired them was so gratifying and so wonderful. So I decided, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to write another book. But when I published it, when I hit the button to publish, I said to my husband, Promise me we'll move out of town. Promise me we'll go someplace where no one knows me if this is a bust. And that didn't happen. Well, and then fast forward, your husband, that's your, the one that you divorced, he was your starter husband. <laughs> and then, and now you have the love of your life that you, you spend, you spend a lot of time on the road with now. Oh, yes. We work together, play tennis together. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all worth the journey oh and that is a you know and that's another just key we've got lots of golden nuggets here but something being worth the journey i think that that is huge like what you know it it's it's interesting to me um to hear i'm a big collector of quotes but i like the idea that the you know as far as the journey like take pleasure in the journey not the destination and so many times and I'm not saying not to be goal oriented it's just perfectly fine to have goals but don't lose track of of yourself or what it's going to take to get there and and then also help others to shine this is one thing that you do very very well Carol part of that connector piece of it is you help other people to shine and I will have to find out who is the one that said this quote but the more, you know, if you look at a dark sky, nobody ever said, there's too many stars. Mm, that's true. There's enough for everybody. And if we can lift people up and, and you know, the more the merrier. You know, one of the things that's, that's true from a financial standpoint, the money piece of it, we live in the United States. It, it is not 
an infinite, it, it's not a um, finite. finite pie. There's, you can grow, you can make something out of nothing. Think about what we have the ability to do, to make something out of nothing. You've taken words and you put it on paper and it becomes a best-selling book. That is making, you know, something that was in your head and turning it into something that is a tangible product. There's not a limit. Well, and also, uh, you know, using the past, like what do I say? If you like a quote, you can be a victim of your history. Or you can be the victor of a new story. Oh, I like that. And that's what what has happened with that old story. Yeah, that old story and that tape and everything that, that's that's going around. Uh, you know, and and how do you take that as a as a stepping stone versus a, a complete wall or roadblock? Right. You could I could have just crumpled to the well, I did crumple to the floor if I am being candid, but I could have stayed there. Could have stayed there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there are um there are a lot of people that um and it is a choice. And I'm not saying that, that it's easy. And I'm not saying that sometimes you don't need to get professional help, but it's a choice whether you're going to be a victim, you said, or a victor. That is that is a choice because you know, you can take everything away from you, but what you can't take away is your mind. You cannot, you know, the the and the ability to make those decisions. Viktor Frankl talked about that a lot, Man's Search for Meaning. So, oh, yeah, and there, there was no way I would have, I could have considered professional help. I mean, I went to a high school where they had a class in coping with divorce. That was my... Mm-hmm. You know, that was, I think it was $25, and that was my big splurge. Your big splurge. But at the same time, I think you probably, uh, most people that are going through really, really tough times will spend some time doing a, you know, they'll they'll look at um, what other people are doing and either decide that they're going to copy them and do that because you typically would get the same result or um, say, oh, well, I'm not doing that. And make sure that you stay away from the warnings, if you will. Oh, I think I read every book in the library on divorce. So there's, that's where you <laughs> that's where you got, you know, that's yeah. So that's getting some help. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell us some more about um as far as the Sex Happens book and um where how that translated to because Gracie's Gone is a very different book. Very different, yes. Gracie's gone. Well, you know, have you ever been in a store and you have a little little children, little child, and suddenly you can't find your child? Our daughter did that, and I think every mother has experienced this. You're in the shopping mall, and the kid decides to hide inside the clothes rack. Oh my gosh, heart drop. Oh yeah, the panic. The the. So what I decided to do was to take that emotion. And I'm not saying play on it in any way, negative way, but take that emotion and take the reader into the home and the heart, hearts of the family when their six-year-old Gracie is gone. Yes. And and for our readers, I do want to share this because one of my first reactions when I got the book, and I just want to clarify, I'm not going to be a spoiler on no, this. No, no, no. But, I, you but I think it's very important for people to know that nothing happens to the little girl because I I couldn't handle that. To be I honest could, with well, you. I couldn't either. 
Oh, and I uh-huh. no, I remember reading oh Alice Siebel's book. Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking the name now, but you're you're in the 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 child has been molested molested and then killed, and you're in her her mind after. Mm. I just lovely bones. I just there's no way, and and it was a wonderful read, but there's no way I wanted to play on that emotion. I wanted to to get you to feel what it would feel like. And then we we collected uh, $1,000 for child rescue from the sale sales. Yeah, and explain and what child rescue is. And child I know rescue, there's a connection with your sure, son. So. Or, he's, my son is on the board. It is an organization that goes in and rescues and rehabilitates trafficked children. Now, while the, the little girl in Gracie's Gone was not trafficked, I mean, nothing You'll never figure out who took her, but nothing happens to her was was something I had to, you know, had to had to have in there. Yeah, it it because there was no way, and how pervasive it is that children are 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 taken or are, you know, by family members by what whatever, and I I wanted to people to relate to that and and then. You know, see what it's like, and and you know, my husband and I were talking that how our kids used to play outside. Yeah, we played outside. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. I remember my mom and dad both. They'd just say, "Come back at dinner time." Exactly, and it, which and meant now, dark. And I remember in the summer we would play hide and seek with groups of neighborhood kids. Um, but there was one thing that they did, which was actually a pretty cool thing when I was growing. I grew up in Phoenix, and they had. Um, we pretty much all walked or rode our bikes to school, but we had this big E. So picture an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with this biggest red letter E that you could possibly imagine. And that would be put in the front window of somebody that was uh, vetted by the school. Um, And this was throughout the whole school district. It wasn't just ours, but it was vetted by the school. And that was a signal that that was a safe place. Now, we were told it was a safe place, not because of um, not because of some of the horrors that we know about now, but more from a standpoint of if you fall off your bike, oh. ma, you know, Mary is home after school and you can you can go to Mrs. Rogers house and and she'll be there to take care of you. That was and more than once uh kids needed it you know they fell off their bikes skin their knees that was look they go to the closest house that had that giant letter e wow it was great but um you know i don't know what i've never seen it duplicated i don't not i've never even heard of it oh it was it was a great program whoever came up with it and and you know one time my, my brother we used to there was a really fun ditch that we would ride our bikes through so i went through the lower side because i was not as much of a daredevil as my brother was and um, I was a gymnast, but I was also really little. But my brother loved to ride bikes. Like he, he was probably in, may have been a freshman in high school, and he actually rode a bike from Phoenix all the way to Prescott and wow. back with a, just another friend, camping along the side of the roads. I mean, yeah, that would not happen, happen now. Right. But the um, the but one of the times that he went through the big ditch and there had been some water uh, previously and so the, the train was different and he went head over hills and split oh. his chin open, knocked himself out the whole nine yards. It's one of the ladies from the the E houses, the safe house 
uh, came and, Whoa. you know, basically put a washcloth on it. And then I ran home and got mom and off we went to the hospital. So had wow. quite a few stitches. <laughs> so, but uh, Gracie's gone. Um, and one thing that I think is great, I just, I still, I look at the cover and I know that that's one of your granddaughters. Her, her photo had her be the model, right? It was, yeah. Well, yeah. And that was the impetus for the next, for the children's mm. book. Because my other granddaughter, another one, said to me, well, uh, um, I would like to be on a cover. And I said to her, okay, if you want to be on a cover, you got to write a book. And with her, Aria, it was a game on. She oh, was ready. She said, all right, let's go. That's and fabulous. That's how we and, wrote. That, and when is that coming out? That book is not out yet. No, it's well, Kindle, they can pre-order Kindle. Pre-order on and Kindle. And it already okay. became a number one bestseller on Kindle. And I know, and it's not even, it won't even be out till um, till early April, in time for Easter, in time the hardcover. That is really exciting. Because we have a hardcover, and that'll be out. That is super exciting. So a little bit more about um, Gracie's Gone. Um, so in terms of, you've got you've had quite a bit of success with it, and um, it, it may become a movie. Yes, we're working okay. on the screenplay right now. Very good. Very, very good. And I mean, that in and of itself, that's a huge, huge artist task. Lots going on. Well, there. I'm not writing the screenplay. No, I mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying the editing process. Editing and helping. Yeah, you got to edit. And you got to, one thing that I know, make sure you hang on to that editorial control because they may choose to do something else to Gracie, just saying. <laughs> you got to yeah, make sure. Yeah, well, that I don't, happen. I really don't have that control. Um, an agent has picked it up mm. and, and, it's out of my hands. I mean, there's been no n no money exchanged because she gets a percentage mm -hmm. of placement. But um, no, it's it's not in my oh, hands. Oh boy! So we you'll have to let us know. Because I'll let that you one know. Is, so, um, so in terms of um, there's a couple of things I really well you know so big history you've done a lot of things, um, I, and a couple of key takeaways. I think that sometimes people just decide that they're going to do A, and they never add B. Like, they never add anything else. Like, oh, I am a pick-whatever-profession. I am a doctor. I, I obviously cannot write a book, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. Tell me a little bit more about some of the things that you would have listeners do, like some of the lessons that you've learned from starting your own business, from writing a book, from, you know, how do you how do you negotiate with an agent? How do you make decisions? I, I'm throwing a lot out there, but I would love to... Have. In one word, right? Yes, in one <laughs> word. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Actually, of all the things that I've done, the most gratifying is writing the children's book, The Surprise Circus. Really? Yes. Nothing even holds a candle to it. To be able to take a message to children, a message that you've got to be hungry, and you've got to believe in yourself. And then magical things will happen, even a surprise circus. And that's being able to instill values in a child is what every parent wants. And what better way than with a bedtime story? Oh, yeah. I... So of everything, I, I look at this children's book really as the culmination of, and, and by the way, there are four more. Oh, 
in the hopper because Aria is moving. <laughs> now, may I ask how old Aria is? Yes. When she started her writing career, now she, of course, was a a, a true storyteller because we, we played with the idea. Well, what should we write about? What's the most fantastic thing? A circus. So we started writing. And the circus people, each one comes to their, is sent to her house, mm -hmm. like the fire eater, and he burns down the curtains and the juggler, and he throws her baby up in the air. <laughs> oh, and dear. I mean, and whatever was in our minds or my mind, the illustrator, who by the way is 15, oh, was my able to put it to paper in the style of Andy Warhol. That's what we wanted. Wow. So what a collaboration. I mean, a five-year-old, well, now she's six. So five, Aria is now a whopping six years old. She's six. She's moved. She's past this five-year-old stuff. <laughs> and she's six, and the illustrator is 15, and I'm a little bit older than they are. And <laughs> I've passed 70. I'll tell you that. I'll share that. And this is just, this is the most gratifying thing I've ever done. That is really awesome and as, as far as the information so the gift that we have as far as books um i i just read a very very interesting statistic mm. that um that library use remember they said that it was going to be over with and done library use is up up this past year more people are spending time at the library than not just compared to other libraries, but compared to watching television as far as the time frame. It's really interesting. Well, to put a damper on that, a lot of libraries do have books on tape. And, well, um, they have books on tape and things like that, but we're movies, talking about physically going wow. to the library and spending that time. And um, one of the things I think um, is really neat to see, we have them all over Tucson called um, Books on the Corner. Um, so there's just this little house, give a book, take a book, got mm -hmm. that happening at a lot of churches. You've got it at several coffee houses here in town and it's just, it's really cool. And so some people that have written, I know uh, several authors, they've written books. They'll just, they'll just drive around town and they'll find one of the little book things and, um, they'll just put some of their books okay, in there. Okay. That's what I got to do yeah, then you drive before around. I return my, um, it, my rental car. Yeah, it's okay. it's just it's a it's a really cool thing, and, and yeah, well, the good excuse you can go to Crossroads Coffee. They have a give a book, get a book. Um, that's over on the east side of town. Uh, they have kind of a neat, you know, it's a it's a coffee house, but I really like that. I've met other, you know, met meet other business people there, and it's 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 quiet inside. You know, some of the coffee houses are so loud, I can't hear myself think. So that well, that's encouraging because what did I read? Pew Research that um, seventy percent of college-educated people read only one book a year. That to me is so shocking. That's, yeah, that's, that's shocking. Well, you're part of a book club. You're in a book club. Oh Are no, no, no! This no, I'm saying club. this. Yeah, no, no, no. That's for Pew Research. But I'm saying, as far as people, this is a key thing for people to understand. Yes, the top. Uh, people that are doing the most, they actually, there's a very large link. There was a, a another big statistic that Jim Rohn did years ago. The people that earned over 250000 a year, every single one of them had a huge library. Those that earned less tended to have very few books in their home. 
A very oh, interesting yeah. statistic. Yeah. Yes, and they said CEOs do um, skew that statistic because they read about a book a week. A, a yes. book a week, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do. You, so just, we're almost at the end of our show, but I wanted to ask you one quick question. Sure. Do you read? Um, do you read different books depending upon the mood you're in? Like, how many books do you have going right now? Like, if I were to look at your list of books, how many do you have going right now? Do you read one at a time yourself? You read multiples. Actually, our RV, the first thing we did, the whole shelf above the bed is only books. Oh, that's So we, we read about sometimes two a week. But my medical legal re, uh, practice, um, what it was, uh, two weeks ago, I had 9,000 pages of medical records to review. See? Yeah. So, uh, so that takes me away. But what I try to read are, are bestsellers. And I've really try to read mostly bestsellers written by women and I have have managed to read almost every bestseller so that's what I really try to read and one at a time so that's that's interesting so for me personally I have books kind of like everywhere I've got them on my nightstand I've got them everywhere and uh, depending upon what I'm in now I tend to gravitate towards book that talks about high growth and development um, I'm rereading Atomic Habits by James Clear. So it's a lot of fun uh, as far as that. So, well, we are at the end of our hour. And I just, so they can get any of the three books on Amazon? Well, they can get uh, The Surprise Circus on Kindle on only Kindle until only. April for then they Easter. Could, yeah, April for then Easter to purchase get, the book. Right. But then go to Kindle. Okay. They can go to Kindle. It's only 99 cents now. The Surprise Circus and the other books are available on Amazon and they were bestsellers. That It's really exciting to have as far as that being a bestsellers. And it was it just that when it when you got that bestsellers, how did that feel when you when you realized, oh my gosh, I just wrote a book that's become a bestseller? I have to say that was very exciting and not to be redundant. When I looked and saw that, that this surprise circus was a number one new release, it was like, oh, my goodness. That was over the top. That and is super exciting. wonderful. So um, the best way for people to connect with you is our listeners, if they want to connect with you, is what LinkedIn? How do you, how do you like to be connected with? I have an email. Okay. And it's drcarolsoloway at gmail. Or I do have a website for my speaking because we go across the country yes. speaking. Uh, not we, I. <laughs> and my husband drives the RV. Well, that's a we. That's, that's a we. we. And that's www.carolsoloway. And solo way. We've got some of those. Oh, S-O-L-O. Solo way is the easiest way to say it. And then if you would like to find out on me personally, if you would like a mortgage review right now, interest rates, this is crazy. Interest rates are the lowest that they've been in three and a half years. And um, it's a really good time to do a mortgage review. You should really do, everyone should do an annual mortgage review. Take a peek at your insurance. If property values have gone up, you need to check with your insurance agent. Are you properly insured? Um, Many people that that had cabins on Mount Lemmon, they didn't have enough insurance. Their homes were not able to be rebuilt when we had that devastating fire a long time ago now, decade plus. 
Um, and also look at the vesting on your title. I've got people that have found a trust. They haven't put their homes in the trust um, or they took title in, they've owned their home for a long time and they took title as joint tenants with rights of survivorship when we actually have the ability to hold property as community property with rights of survivorship in the state of Arizona. So if you want to have a mortgage review, which is looking at some of those information, and many of my clients are able to get rid of mortgage insurance right now because the values are up. And wow. their payments are dropping. I mean, my clients are dropping four, five, six hundred dollars a month with a lot of their payments right now. And to reach me, the best way is to call me at the office, which is 520-447-2279. Again, that's 520-447-2279. Carol, Dr. Soloway, thank you so much for being our guest. It is a um, you are a, you are a bright shining light. Um, and I love how you Thank lift you. everybody else up. Thank you. It was a pleasure.